The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, when it comes to gender equality, are we there yet? What is the biggest roadblock to putting women on an equal footing with men in employment and education? What does it take to quash gender-based violence? And how do we reach women across all of the EU equally? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's what you told us about how you're being impacted by this issue. Have you censored yourself or avoided debate or discussion online out of concern about potential gendered harassment? If you're a woman, you're basically either doing this or receiving frequent harassment. It becomes such second nature, you don't even realise you're doing it. Ask any woman to check their message requests on Facebook Messenger and you can guarantee there will be sexual harassment and or gendered-based abuse. I think we need to take childcare in the first three years of life much more seriously. It is crazy that we fork out nearly 15,000 a year per child to have them cared for in a creche during their first three years of life. You're left on your own in this country when kids are six months to three years of age. It's put me off having more kids, which is heartbreaking. Covid was so stressful as I could work from home, but my husband couldn't. I felt pressure to be the best mom and maintain the same workload. I often worked after the kids went to bed. Let's zoom out even further as Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsler breaks down how the Irish public really feels about gender equality and whether men and women are on the same page on what needs to happen to improve it. Our readers played a pivotal role in guiding the Good Information Project's focus on women's rights and gender equality in Ireland. Despite clear progress in avenues such as pay equity and job opportunities, Ireland lags behind in many key areas, most notably in political representation and enforcing the burden of childcare onto women. Our poll, conducted in conjunction with independent polling company Ireland Thinks, bore out the reality that Ireland is far from a utopia when it comes to equality of the sexes. Perhaps the most interesting feature throughout the results is the discrepancy between the attitudes of men and women when it comes to equality. 33% of men believe that women are treated as equal in the home, compared to just 13% of women. 61% of men believe that women have equal access to health care, compared to 46% of women. The contrast is even more stark in workplace relations, where 46% of men believe that women are treated equally, compared to just 18% of women. 38% of women believe they are not treated equally in home life, work life, politics, media representation or in access to healthcare. Only 19% of men agree. There was also little consensus on the matter of whether men and women are treated equally in Irish society in general. There was also little consensus on the matter of whether men and women are treated equally in Irish society in general. Just over one third of women said that women are treated much less favourably than men, something that only 13% of men believe. One in six men, however, said that women are actually treated more favourably than men. A scant 3% of women feel the same way. Ultimately, just one in 10 women believe that they are treated equally. 
whereas 30% of men believe that Ireland has cracked gender equality. A further division between the sexes was exposed by the question, regardless of your view on the change, what do you think has been the biggest landmark in gender equality in the history of the Irish state so far? Among men, the option most frequently chosen was equal voting rights for women, which was 31%. However, women were more likely to choose the elimination of the marriage bar, the law against women holding roles in the civil and public service after marriage. Repealing the Eighth Amendment and the availability of contraception were also seen as more important by female respondents. There were also clear proposals from poll respondents as to how matters might be improved. Asked to choose what they think is a priority to achieve in terms of gender equality in Ireland, more than half of all respondents said universal state-funded childcare, a level of popularity that was replicated across every income demographic. Women were more likely to call for increased penalties for violence and abuse against women, with 54% selecting that option as one of the two most important to achieve gender equality. Slightly fewer men selected this option at 46%. A wider difference of opinion could be seen over the idea of gender quotas for the makeup of the cabinet, a move that was supported by over one in five women, but fewer than one in ten men. Both sexes seem to agree that gender quotas for women on the board of businesses was less important than the other three options presented. The most telling difference could be seen as the 21% of men selecting none of the above option, compared to only 4% of women. An analysis of these results paints a clear picture that while gender inequality is largely recognised by most demographics in Ireland, there is a clear lag between what women are experiencing and the male perception of the situation. Thanks, Carl. Now let's turn to some possible solutions. I'm joined by the Journal senior reporter Michelle Hennessy to discuss the key challenges in progressing gender equality and some of the answers we've been hearing to those challenges. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Susan. Tell me this. We had a high level of engagement with our readers during this cycle. What are the chief concerns of Irish women in 2022? Yeah, I mean, one of the brilliant things about all of the Good Information Project cycles, not just this one, is that it isn't just this one way street of information of us sending something out into the universe. We're also asking the readers to tell us what they think, to tell us what their concerns are and what we get back from them, we feed into the coverage. So with this cycle, right from the beginning, the discussion about childcare was a key focus. We did an open thread close to the beginning of the cycle, asking readers to share their experiences and also the difficulties they face with childcare. And we got an absolute flood of responses from people. Uh, There were two main themes in, in what we got back from the readers. One was that it's just too expensive. Um, So one woman who wrote into us described it as like having a second mortgage. She said she's going to end up paying more than €1,200 per month next year for Montessori just for one baby, just for one child, that is. I mean, that that is a second mortgage payment. Uh, The second big theme was access. So not only is it expensive, but it's hard to even get one of those expensive places. I'm sure a lot of people will have heard stories from friends about booking a place for their baby basically as soon as they're born. Some people are actually booking them before they've even given birth. And that is kind of how early you have to do it in in some places. The demand is is just there uh, so high. Now, one reader who contacted us had just moved house and six months before they'd moved to a different area, she was calling around looking for a local crash. Six months is a fairly decent lead in time. Uh, she said that they all pretty much laughed at her. Their waiting lists are absolutely packed. And she was, when she spoke to us, working from home with her children there with her all day. So you can see why that was one of the, the major issues that readers were engaging with us on. And when you really dig into the wider gender equality piece, childcare is a thread that runs through a lot of the issues, whether it's labour participation, the gender pay gap, the balance of caring responsibilities in the home. What our readers were telling us was that easier, cheaper, but still good quality childcare 
would ease the burden on them across a number of areas of their lives and it would open up opportunities for them as well. So I think what we have to look at is what is being put in place to correct those systemic barriers that are facing women. Now, say if we started with politics. Yeah, so if we look first at the political sphere, in the next general election, the political parties will be expected to ensure that at least 40% of their candidates are women. Now, remember, that's just a quota on candidates. So that doesn't mean that 40% of those elected will be female. And it's unlikely that we'd reach 40% in, in the next election. In the last election, fewer than one quarter of TDs elected were women. But the quotas do appear to be making some difference. It, it is improving. It is improving slowly, but it is improving in terms of representation. Uh, and something that political experts who spoke to me during the course of our reporting in this cycle said was that quotas at a national level also have an impact at that local level as well, even if there aren't quotas there. So the parties know that in the next general election, they'll have to have viable, well-known female candidates to run in the doll. Uh, and that means that they'll need good female councillors that, that people know who have worked with them and for them in the community. So at that local level, there's a particular issue in constituencies outside Dublin. If we look at the the last uh, local election 2019, the number of female councillors decreased in almost all western counties and eastern counties. Uh, they, they increased. So this trickle down effect from quotas at the national level should mean uh, greater support within parties for female representatives at that local level. And now quotas are also on the agenda in other areas. So Fine Gael TD Emer Higgins introduced a bill to the Dáil which would see companies required to have at least 40% of each gender on their boards. That would be within three years of the implementation of that law. So there is an attempt to bring that impetus to business as well as politics. And how is that working out at the moment? Yeah, I mean, in other countries, it has worked well, but only if we're looking at just at the makeup of the boards. Uh, and in fact, Ireland is already well on its way to getting there, even without quotas. But what we found is that that doesn't necessarily trickle down from the board to the executive levels. So um, there is a recent European Women on Boards report. Uh, they found that out of 668 companies, just 50 of those had female CEOs and only 169 out of the 668 uh, had uh, one female executive level manager. Now, outside of business, gender equality issues are also presenting themselves in other sectors such such as academia and medicine. Uh, so just 27% of professors in university are female. Women account for 56% of medical trainees, but they hold just one third of consultant posts in Ireland. And in general, the gender pay gap has been fluctuating in Ireland over the past decade. But the most recent data we have uh, is for 2019, the gap was 11.3%. That has undoubtedly worsened. I mean, we don't have the data on it, uh, but you can imagine it must have got worse since the start of the pandemic because we know that women overwhelmingly took on the burden of care. And those kinds of personal changes in their lives will have had an impact on many of their professional lives too. And that means their earning potential will have been impacted. Now, there is new legislation that's expected to come into force this year that will require large companies to publish information on the gender pay gap in their organisation. So not only will that give us a clearer picture of what's actually happening in those companies, in those larger companies, but there'll be more visibility on it. So it'll really encourage the firms to look at what they're doing. And of course, Michelle, again, the elephant in the room for us, which you spoke so eloquently about at the top of this, is the issue of childcare. What are they doing about that? Yeah, I mean, so many of our female readers who got in touch with us during this cycle uh, to share their experience with childcare 
they were really just at the end of their tether. I mean, they had continued to work from home while homeschooling, taking care of younger children during the pandemic lockdowns. And now things are returning to some level of normality. In some ways, that's harder for some people, actually. And not everyone has the option of working at home anymore. That means they're back to having to find childcare places and they're back to paying those really expensive fees. Uh, Plus, with COVID still circulating, you have staff out in creches that can close a room or a whole creche. Uh, On top of that, if your child has symptoms, you have to keep them home. And children tend to get a lot of sniffles and and, and different kinds of things that aren't COVID. You know, so it's an increased challenge now that we're back to this new normal. Uh, In terms of government action to address um, the access and affordability issues, there is a programme of investment. The government has pledged around one billion per year by 2028. uh, And as well as that, they're, they're pledging a move to more public management of childcare. Now, we're expecting the government also to have a focus on reducing the cost of childcare in in the next budget. Uh, There's been some sort of early flag flying with that. uh, And they are also in pay and condition discussions with the sector. Now, it's not just about cost for people. People want good quality childcare. They want to know that the people taking care of their children, who they're leaving them with for hours uh, during the day, are qualified. Uh, And that means that those people have to be paid well if they're going to stay in the sector. The the retention problem uh, is a big one. It's not just about affordability for parents. It's actually hard for for those working in the industry and managing the industry to keep good quality uh, workers in it. So if a deal is agreed on paying conditions, that'll actually have a knock-on impact. Uh, That would see fees capped at what they were in September 2021. That would be part of the deal. And that would be even if they've increased since they would go back to those September 2021 fees. That would make a bit of a a dent in it for people. But you have to remember with the cost of living crisis, I mean, that's still probably not going to be enough for a lot of people in the, the medium and short term. So you can expect this issue to be raised again and again. And can Ireland learn lessons from other EU member states in developing gender budgets and policies with gender equality to the fore? Yeah, I think one of the main learnings uh, for us from this piece of work is that no country is doing this perfectly. I mean, there's no country you can point to and say they've solved the gender equality problem. I I wish there was. Uh, That's just not the case. There are some countries doing some things well. Um, So countries like Sweden and Norway and Germany, uh, they ranked among the best in terms of affordability of childcare in a UNICEF report last year. And that report highlights that Ireland has one of the most expensive childcare systems in the world. Sweden also offers a lot of parental leave, as does Norway. Uh, And while they've got the affordability, um, they also do well in terms of quality, which is important for people. So in terms of representation, the Nordic countries are also doing well there. 59% of the workforce in Sweden is female. 52% of ministers in Sweden are female. And it's also uh, a 50-50, almost a 50-50 split in their parliament, which is pretty significant. Uh, If we look at the gender pay gap, which we talked about earlier, it's lowest in countries like Luxembourg, Italy and Romania. In Luxembourg, the gap is just 1.3%, which is very small. Uh, And they have a law that makes any discrepancies in pay um, for men and women for the same work illegal. They also have their own ministry of equality between men and women. Now, that was established in 2015 and that has a sole focus on gender equality. If you compare that to Ireland, where our Department of Equality, so that's equality across the board, not just gender equality, is also the Department of Children, Disability, Integration and Youth. That's an extremely broad ranging brief for that one minister and his staff. Um, I think that the notion of having you know gender at the fore when developing policy is an important one to consider here. There were some key examples during the pandemic of quick policy decisions that completely overlooked women. Uh, One related to the pandemic wage subsidy scheme, which initially excluded women who would be returning to work from maternity leave. And it was just an oversight. But that's kind of the problem. Nobody thought of it.
So if we talk about having a dedicated gender budget or a ministry for gender equality like they have in Luxembourg, that's an extreme compared to where we are now. The problem at the moment is that sometimes it's not there at all. Uh, And none of the other things that we've talked about here can really be properly addressed if the people in the room making those decisions are not stopping for a second to consider, are we forgetting somebody here? Thanks for coming in, Michelle. Thanks, Susan. We'll give the last word to Francis Fitzgerald, MEP, who took part in our Open Newsroom webinar. I want to see 50% of women in the doll. You know, it's, it's snail's pace. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It does make a difference. You get a much more, you know, broadly based discussion sit. You know, the decision making is better and so on. So, you know, I'd really like to see that. And I want women to feel safe. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm really tired. And all of, all of us have realized lately, it's just not you or me or your sister or your mother uh, that feels unsafe. You know, women going around with keys in their hands to make sure, like, we've got to create a society where in all spaces women feel safe. So, you know, it's a huge agenda. And uh, I think the cry is strong now, but how do you keep it consistent? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation@thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.